Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Ollie. And I think you 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 are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester, and that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. It's the Bola Boys. It's Rahul back hosting today, and as usual. Joined by Vis and Kaiser. How are we doing, fellas? Very good, very good. Not bad, not bad. Vis says as he's trying to hold in his uh, excitement for, for what, about, what we're going to talk about. Only <laughs> <laughs> out. Uh, so, as we do for most pods, we're going to do the usual thing. We're going to be previewing uh, almost three game weeks worth of games. Looking forward to... Uh, a few games and then talking about our score predictor where we finally managed to score some points. Uh, before we get into the games, probably the hottest topic to do with the Premier League is the managerial changes that have happened at Man United. And let's get straight into it. Vis, tell us how Ralph is going to unwreck it. Um, I'm quite excited. So definitely excited. And uh, Ralph Ragnick, for those of you who don't know, uh, he's if not the most influential person in German football, I would say. And uh, he was dubbed as the founder of Gurgen Pressing, German Pressing, essentially high-intensity football, uh, heavy metal football, very similar to that of Liverpool's. And uh, yeah, he signed for six months now and with uh, two years in a consulting role. And should be, he's, he's got his work permit already, right? So I don't know if mm, he has yeah, any that influence. Was the breaking news... Yeah, uh, that recently. was the breaking news at the time of recording, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, so yes. we don't know if he's going to set up the team against Arsenal or not, but I'm sure he would have some say in it. Lah. Definitely. So, yeah. And just to make it clear, because there was a bit of confusion from uh, some of us earlier to do with his, <laughs> his appointment, <laughs> appointment roles. Uh, so I think he's going to be signed on for six months in the managerial role. So he's going to be actually manager of Man United. And then two years from this, he's signed on, but probably not in a manager's seat. He'll be doing more of a consultancy role. Yeah. I assume currently there's no sporting director, technical director seat at United. Is that right? Or yeah, is there's a director Fletcher? of... Fu- Darren Fletcher... Sorry, Darren... I can't talk today for some reason. <laughs> Darren, Fletcher <laughs> Darren Fletcher is the technical director. And then we have uh, John Murter, who is the director of football. Okay. So I, I assume he'll be, you know, making... You know, yeah, yeah. So go, the thing go. is, the main reason they want to bring him in is to sort of put some structure into the place. So, right, the structure has been all over the place, you know. And so he's coming in and essentially his background, what he's known for is for building clubs as a whole, right? Yeah. He's not known for him being the coach per se. So essentially yeah. he's the one who built both the Red Bull clubs like from fourth division all the way to Bundesliga. So they wanted someone, a footballing figure within the club to sort of have that structure. So Raul, to answer your question, if anything... They'll probably make up a role for him. And yeah. from what I've read, right, he's going to have a major role in picking the next manager who's going to come in. And, you know, he's going to have the say in the type of football that we play and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So you're saying the in the Red Bull class, for example, he's held senior roles, but there's always been actual managers under him. No, no, no. He's yeah. been... He, yeah, he's been yeah. the managers themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, okay, been, okay. he's been managers as well, but... Mainly, he's been the director of football, sporting director. You know, that's that's sort of his strengths, 
I would say that's okay. where they lie. Yeah. Because it sounds like it's coming out that's like he has a lot of mentees. Uh, that's of course you say he's the founder of this gag pressing, right? Yeah. So, all, like, so Tuchel, like the Hassan Hutel. Yeah, Nagelsmann. the popular ones. Yeah, you just mentioned the popular ones. Uh, Klopp, I wouldn't say he's mentee lah. He was he was mainly influenced by the by his style of play, and right. no, you know, not to take any credit away from Klopp. Klopp has turned that that sort of football, that rock and roll, sorry, that heavy metal football into something. Yeah so good because you can't play like that sort of direct heavy metal football in the Premier League you remember first season second season you know with Klopp it was very different to how it was when they won the league actually so mm. he sort of fine-tuned it yep. so yeah he's had a major influence you know among the German coaches I would say so he's the one who gave Tuchel his first coaching job essentially <laughs> so yeah mm. yeah and I think the most exciting thing was a Man United fan and I think Man United fans should be excited by this appointment it's not just because of Ralph but the fact that something's clicked finally in the hierarchy at Man United that they need to start to change the structure of the club in the mm-hmm. sense that there needs to be not this helter-skelter, let's just appoint whoever yeah. is a good manager, let's just appoint whoever is the biggest name in football now, is mm-hmm. the fact that let's start at looking by someone even above that and let's work yeah. from there. And that's the structure which is successful for almost every other big club in Europe. Yeah. Do you know if Sir Al- Do you know if Sir Alex had any say in this? Um, I'm really not sure. I don't. I don't think he's had. Uh, I haven't seen anything say. to I be fair, which yeah. is surprising, right? Yeah. And who would have made yeah. the call? This would it have been Woodward or? So okay, so actually, right, John Murta, he went to visit um, Ralph because this is not the first time we've been linked with him. He went to visit Ralph. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. The previous club that he managed, I, I can't remember. It's not coming to my head now. But uh, Locomotive actually, Moscow. Yeah, Locomotive Moscow. Moscow. So he went to see how things are run. So it was sort of like a interview without telling Ralph that you know we are interviewing you, sort of. So they've had like he's had a good relationship with him, and then now that uh, the time has come and they've decided to sort of you know hire him. In fact, uh, Chelsea wanted to hire him as well initially before they hired Tuchel, but he, but Ralph is the one who turned the Chelsea job down. So yeah, he's so th- like you said, Raúl. For for me to be excited, it's not because he's gonna come in and be the manager. More of the influence that he's gonna have behind the scenes. You know, that's the exciting yeah. part about this transfer. For yeah. sure, for sure, fantastic. So I think we'll talk about how he's gonna influence the actual team and the style of play later on because we're gonna be talking about Man United. But let's uh, start by looking back at some of the games um, that have been played over the last couple of weeks. We'll go back all the way to Liverpool's win at Anfield against Arsenal. Uh, I think we'll look at the home team first, Kaiser, and obviously since then they've played Southampton and Everton. Yeah. Uh, so give us uh, give us a rundown on all those games. Yeah, I mean, the obvious thing to see is that they've scored four goals in each of those games. Um, and so the trend is continuing where we see the f- attack is so, so fluid this season. I mean, Salah, in 14 games, he's had 20... Uh, goals plus assists, which is ridiculous. And That's Jota mad. Is, yeah, That's really mad. unbelievable form. Uh, continuing, I mean, we've talked about Salah every uh, every time we did talk about Liverpool, and he just keeps on scoring and assisting. Yeah. Uh, Jota as well. Uh, more recently, five goals in five games as well. Uh, after the Firmino injury, he's really picked up form, uh, looking really confident. Uh, but we are still conceding chances at the back. Yeah, because you see, Allison still having to make really good saves. Um, every game even, yeah every game every game it's uh, becoming uh, apparent and so the question is are Liverpool doing this by design I feel uh, during our league winning season that was a lot more under control we were winning 1-0s yeah. all the time 
Uh, but it seems like, I don't know if this by design, are they wanting teams to attack, leaving more space? Because you, that's what you see, right? Um, maybe when teams open up slightly and they just leave a lot of spaces in behind for us to exploit. Yeah, I think it's an interesting you should, thing you should say. And maybe one thing I should have done before we recorded the pod was to look at some of the numbers behind the 1920 season and compare it to this season, whether they're actually conceding more XG and things like that. But definitely from watching the games and we've been banging this drum definitely from the beginning of the season is Liverpool don't feel solid. You don't go into a game thinking, oh, they're definitely bang on for a clean sheet here. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, oh, Chelsea and City are bang on for clean sheets. And I realised both of them have conceded in their last two games as well. Hmm. So again, like you said, I don't know whether they've looked at the problem and said, you know, we might have trouble breaking teams down if we don't give them that little bit of a carrot, that little bit yeah. of a reward yeah. in, you know, in that, oh, we might be able to nick something here. And I think we, we saw against Brighton, we saw against West Ham where that goes the other way. You know, mm. Brighton were allowed to play their game, played super well, all credit yep. to them, managed to take a draw. West Ham went one better, they won. Um, so again, yeah, I think scoring four goals in, you know, four goals in three consecutive matches are great. But, you know, I think it, from a Liverpool point of view, you'd rather those goals be spread out a little bit more if you were more solid at the back and conceding fewer goals. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, and what you explained would probably be more sustainable uh, but you have to say I mean this even as a United fan right it's just so fun to watch yeah uh, for me honestly if I like besides United I really like watching Liverpool it's a bit weird coming from Liverpool uh, from a United fan but it's so exciting and I yeah. think to a certain extent it's very difficult to like stop Liverpool I would say and yeah. Um, you know teams right like Liverpool has won the league like a lot of teams they win the league they play amazing football but then they sort of die off because teams find them out essentially but it's been yeah. so difficult to until today you still cannot find Liverpool out There's, they always find a way out and to I score. think to a certain yeah to score so I think to a certain extent right the way that they play now is slightly different I think it's designed in that way like what you're saying like dangle the carrot I think it makes sense because you know it's, it's simple you play against Liverpool you're going to sit back you know like that's yeah. the the yeah. rule number one lah, you know. So especially I think if you think you got you you are not gonna score. Yeah, you know, in yeah. 1920 exactly. you come yeah. and feel right. You got yeah, no you're not gonna score. Who who do you think you are? You know, you're only gonna come and do that and try to nick a point. That's essentially it, right? So, I think Klopp has done a good job. And another thing I wanted to highlight was that winning season, right? Was Trent as high up the pitch as he is this season? And like his role, I would say, has evolved a bit, right? No, like he's moving higher and higher up the pitch. I know for sure he's moving a bit more central. Yeah, so that's really cuts inside more, right? Yeah, like sorry, yeah, he moves more central. But overall, would you say that his average positioning la, Is it much higher than it was in the previous seasons? I, I think it's to not to that. do much with vertical positioning. So I don't think he's higher up the pitch. I think obviously okay. in 1920 he was getting into, you know, the boxes putting the cutting those balls back, those diagonal mm -hmm. balls back anyways. The difference now is what exactly what Kaiser said. You find him in the almost centre-mid sort of positions. Yeah. Yeah. And he he actually said, I can't remember which interview or was it post-match or something, where he was saying, you know, sometimes you'll find me in the inside forward position. Henderson will be playing the centre forward position and Salah will be out wide. And that's the uh -huh. liberty the manager has given us. So I think, uh -huh. I, I don't know if there's sort of set designs or set plays where they think, you know, if... 
I don't know, if the ball is with Fabinho, these are the positions we want to find, or day three just have the natural sort of chemistry to okay. be able to chop and change where they want to be. But it's, I mean, it's obviously working, right? It's definitely yeah. working. Henderson or is even, chipping in with goals. Or even if Trent moves further inside, then he can play even more accurate balls into the box just because of the proximity he is, right? To where, to the to box where he as is. Well. Yeah, yeah so sure. there must be some tactical change. But on that right side... I mean, Salah and Trent are in the form of their lives, basically. Um, and compared to Liverpool's left side, I mean, that's a question that's been uh, begging people why it's been so uh, heavily on the right side. So the left side, Genie left, and he was the left centre mid um, for the team. And so there's been a lot of rotation on that side. Simikas and Robertson as well have been rotating. So there's a lot more unsettled on the left side, plus Salah and Trent's form. So that's uh, those combination of things. Uh, being heavily reliant on the right side, I think they've been much better since the international break. The left side, the both left side, Robertson yeah. and Mane. I Especially think Simikas getting a couple of games in so, place of Robertson whenever <laughs> he's, when he came on as a sub and when he started the Southampton game, you could see he was like, "No, this is this is my my position. That's that's yeah. fine. Thanks, Simikas. <laughs> thanks for I'm thanks back. for standing <laughs> in for us. But I'm, I'm here. So I think he's been that's much good. better. You see the numbers. He got what two assists in the Saints game. He got another yeah, assist yeah, yeah, against yeah. Everton yesterday. Yeah. So he's he playing really well. Up. Mane as well. I mean, he's been chipping in slowly. Uh, yeah. Top two scorers in the Premier League. Sorry, now Vardy's caught up there, but it was top three scorers in the Premier League. Oh, really? Salah, Salah, Mane and Jota, right? So, I mean, Mane has picked it up there. But then now that brings the next question, right? What are Liverpool going to do when AFCON starts? Uh, So, AFCON is going to be starting, what, end of December or beginning of January. Mm -hmm. What we thought would be maybe a week or two weeks is looking like it's going to be a bit longer than that. And what this means for Liverpool is if Senegal or Egypt make it to the final, oh Egypt Lord. are favourites, <laughs> Senegal are third favourites for the AFCON. This means Liverpool are going to be without two out of those three for three, four games, one of them yeah. being Chelsea. So wh- what do we do then, Kaiser? Yeah, I mean, we said Mane hasn't been nowhere near Salah, um, Salah's form. But I think of the past five, five, ten games, he's been definitely chipping in with the goals and contributing to the team as well. Um, and of course Jota has a chance to score all those goals because of the work that Mane and Salah does right and so who are we going to replace him with so if Jota's up front we'll have uh, Minamino and Origi Origi yeah, which is a drop big off, drop off the drop off <laughs> is massive and Jota won't be the same person without the other two right Yeah. and so it's a big big issue and I think during that time we have Chelsea Brentford and Crystal Palace which are not easy games definitely not games. as well so I think Liverpool's biggest weakness Every year, I think this is the case. They have, for me, the best 11, starting 11 in the league. Mm. But overall, they don't have that squad depth. And I mean, I think this is where you all will see it a bit. Lah. But obviously, not, not injuries, but to fill that void. I mean, who can replace Salah right now? No one can, you know. So yeah. even if Minamino comes in, he does does a job. He's just going to be compared to, you know, uh, the output of Salah, Mane. Probably yeah, one of the best. So. Yeah, probably, yeah. Top, top three players in the world is difficult to replace. But three, four games, um, it's going to be tough, definitely. Yeah, I think, I think Ox, Ox might be put on the wing, uh, probably, or some, something like that, instead of Divock, potentially. No, la, he, hasn't played that, he hasn't played that all season, so... <laughs> no, I think you're still win by, like, season. two goals or something, la, not four no, goals. No, I don't know. That's, I, don't, I wouldn't it. be that positive. <laughs> You know no, I mean? without yeah, without Salah, it's just a whole Salah. I think people don't realize that the amount of drop off and the amount uh, the rest of our game is is affected by those two, for sure. 
But uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to raise the question in the summer. It's not like AFCON has sprung up upon them suddenly. It's not yeah, something yeah. that's announced in the last couple of months. They knew this in the summer and I don't know, did they think Minamino and Origi are good enough to, to serve as replacements for those two, three games? It'd be interesting to see. Just sign, just sign Rafinha on January 1st. Lah. Yeah, yeah. We've got to hope Leeds <laughs> go down so he can uh, get in the summer at yeah. least. Just <laughs> destroy the December, hopefully. But uh, looking at the other side of the game, so obviously we've not really reviewed the game as it was a couple of weeks ago, but we talk about Arsenal. Uh, obviously very disappointing for for them to come off, come away from Anfield 4-0 loss. Obviously on paper it looks you know pre- pretty emphatic, but I think they were pretty good to begin with. You know, first 30 minutes, I think the pressing was great. They were aggressive. They were cutting off passing lanes. Uh I could definitely see an argument for saying Arsenal started the game better than Liverpool. But I think coming back, and we mentioned this on the podcast, when you have a team that have the quality, but, you know, lack the experience, lack the the game time, this is when that quality in the Liverpool squad really showed. And I think that's what happened in the end. Um, But looking at Arsenal from, you know, a macro perspective, I remember what when we did our first few podcasts for this season, we were talking almost... Like Arteta was about to get the sack, he's fifth, yeah, fifth yeah. in the table, yeah, one yeah, point yeah. from a Champions League spot. Last ten games has been seven wins, two draws, and a loss. That's two point three game points per game. That's Champions League form. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You're you're finishing on eighty odd points if you do that across the season. So he's done a fantastic job. And I have to be honest, I have been doubting Arteta from the moment he was appointed. I thought it was another sort of sentimental appointment, similar to Ole, similar to Lampard. Yeah, no credentials. Say, no, yeah, but I have to say, with the recruitment they've done in the summer, good, he, right? He, like yeah, he's utilizing all the players that he's bought, very and good. you can see his style of play more in the players that he's brought. You know, like he's he's a good manager. He's a good manager. He's not on the same level as Ole and and Lampard, I would say. On, he's, yeah. yeah, I remember Edu came on the was it Sky Sports? Uh, he had an interview. Like, oh yeah, when they were people, like they lost yeah, the first three really, games and shit. Yeah, right? when they're really yeah. down, I was like, wow, <laughs> he had the balls to come out, and then he said like, yeah. you know. We had a, we have a strategy, and we mm. have to trust the process and all that. And so, yep. like, I can't wait for him to to see the next interview from him soon. <laughs> and similarly, that faith of Arteta in the players he's brought in has been reaping the awards. Nuno Tavares, who's come in and deputized for Tierney very well. The last part we did talking about Arsenal, we talked about that's when Tierney just got the injury. Tavares was looking a bit shaky. He's been great. I've really enjoyed watching him, actually. I think he gets up the pitch very well. He attacks, he's aggressive, he's front foot. Uh, Tomiyasu, we've been talking since day one, very solid, maybe not as attacking. But my favourite player, I think, that they've signed from the summer has to be Sambi. I think that's a real good player there. He shifts the Mm. ball really well. Against Liverpool, was very front foot. And I think, you know, he's super young. On the edge of the Belgian squad, we could definitely see a player coming through very soon. Uh, so let's talk about the game after that. They go to Newcastle, score two very nice open play goals. And I think we're seeing a shift in the way that Arteta wants to see the team play. And we're seeing it within the season. So, you know, they had those three horrible losses. Brentford, Chelsea and City. And then from there, where you could see the defensive solidity coming in. They weren't really conceding goals. They were getting, they were scoring goals to set pieces and one-off things. Now we see Arsenal really trying to put a stamp on games they play. Against Newcastle, against Villa, there were, you know, very obvious patterns of play. They were really trying to dominate possession and penetrate. And I think this is the next stage that Arsenal want to be. The next problem, though, and Vis, I don't know what you think about this, 
is they are still struggle, struggling to actually create chances. So obviously it's good all good and well you know dominate possession, but if you're not yeah. making anything with that possession that's going to be a problem. Yeah. And I think that's where Arsenal find them now and it'll be interesting to see how Arteta addresses that. So that that problem has been there for the longest time. I think they got in Odegaard to sort of solve that problem but it's still the same problem, you know, not enough chance creation like you said yep. earlier. Like the goals they've been, yeah, you know they've been in great form. They've been winning games, but all like from set piece goals, like one nils yep. here and there. Mm. But now, yeah, you can see like like possession play and you know patterns of play and all. But I think there's an over reliance on Saka and Emil Smith Rowe. Yeah. And um, for you to have your, your Premier League team and your best players are two 19 year olds, you know, it's. If they don't turn up, if Saka and Iesa don't turn up, essentially there un- there is no chances being created for that Arsenal team. So I feel the rest of the team need to contribute as well offensively. Yeah. Like you highlighted earlier, Tomiyasu, I think he's been an amazing signing. He's been doing so well defensively, but offensively, I don't know if he offers that sort of threat. And yeah. the thing about like young players like Saka Iesa, the only thing with young players is in, is is inconsistency. You know, you cannot expect yep. them to deliver on a daily basis. So, what happens when Saka and ESR don't turn up, you know? Like, mm. the likes of, for me, Lacazette, Abamang, all these people, they also need to turn up, sort of. Exactly. Those two are meant to be the... I mean, there's big question marks around them, right? Because they are meant to be the ones leading the line. Yeah. yeah. And being the leaders. And actually, they're the ones who are meant to be, if anything, heavily relied on. Um, but I think more than that, they've got a £70 million player sat on the bench. Pepe, Pepe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nicholas Pepe is there. I think yeah. Arsenal fans have been trying to give him the best, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt. But what now? It's been what two and a half seasons? Might be a bit longer. I'm Quite sure, some time I'm sure. already, right? It's, I mean, it's been a significant amount of time. I think there's enough time to see what he's been doing. Bro, and I remember when when they signed him. You know, like I was like, wow, this guy's sick. When I went and watched Same, all his highlights, yeah. he's Liverpool for more. Sick, bro! Like yeah. my goodness. I, I was oh, saying, sorry, I was sorry, like, this, this, is, this is the signing Liverpool should have made, really. I, I remember saying that. I was like, the supplement, the front three, yeah. right? But, oh, shock horror, Liverpool know what they're doing. So, <laughs> so that's fine. But, more than you, on do, the, uh, you know, hopefully Pepe manages, again, it's difficult because he's not being get a good run of games. Martinelli's mm. come on, he scored a very nice goal against Newcastle. But again, big question mark over his fitness, over his injury record. So, it'll be very interesting to see how they manage this, you know, next sort of month. Um, quite a difficult run, I would say. I would say Man United under Ralph now they've got a new lease on life. I think they'll be very difficult to beat to begin with. So again, a big challenge tonight. And before this pot goes out, we'll know the result of that game actually. Everton after that, so hopefully three points there. But then Southampton and West Ham then their next two games at the Emirates. Those aren't easy games. Those aren't gimmies. Uh, you know, and like you said, if ESI and Saka aren't firing, they really need to find a way of putting these teams to the sort if they want to finish in those Champions League, Champions League spots. Nah, yeah, but Mike's going to score four goals after this against United. After this, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the big thing, but the big thing for them this, during this period is the no Europe, right? Which um, yeah, other big teams are, exactly. are facing. So exactly. I think it's ben- you're seeing the benefits now uh, for Arsenal not having those those games in between. Those midweek games. The midweek games, yeah. Definitely. But positive, I'd be very positive if, was, uh, if I was an Arsenal fan. Uh, fantastic. So that's been... Pretty good review of the last sort of two, three games, both from a Liverpool perspective and an Arsenal perspective. We'll take a little break and we'll be back with United and their good result against Chelsea. (laughs) 
So Ole is no longer, longer, no longer at the wheel. <laughs> uh, United find themselves tenth with eighteen points. Uh, outside the front three, the top three, I think the Premier League is still quite compact. So a win against Arsenal, which again might have happened by the time this pod goes out. Uh, yeah. They find themselves only four points from Champions League spots, which is yeah. fine. It's a good place to be. Yeah, and I think that's why, be. even though maybe he could have done with Ole out maybe a couple of games before, it's yeah. not the worst place <laughs> to find themselves. <laughs> so I think, you know, Watford, I think we can maybe skim over a little bit just because that was Ole's last game. And, you know, with all the negativity and things, I don't think we want to take too much from that. But let's talk about, I mean, quite an impressive result, uh, despite, you know, lack of attacking threat I think still a point from Chelsea who have looked you know untouchable most of this season has been a really good result so Vis what did uh, Carrick change you know what did it, what were the tweaks he made to make this possible uh, so if you had told me we we're going to get one point at Stamford Bridge with a team that just lost 4-1 to Watford I would have told you are you crazy but but yeah he, the game plan was evident very evident that we were there not to win the game we were just there to get a point and um, to a certain extent I would say yeah now you know we, we've come back after the game 1-1 uh, plan well executed I must say and to a certain extent we nullified um, Chelsea's fullbacks from bombing up so obviously yep. Chilwell was injured so Alonso was there and then you had uh, James, their top scorer. So, in th- throughout the whole game, United were, were being dominated in, in every aspect. Like corners, yeah. shots in the box, possession, everything. Yeah. But somehow they defended extremely well, I would say. Every cross that came in, you know, was always cleared out. And we were winning a lot of the balls. And De Gea McTominay, well, as yeah, De Gea played well. For me, so, Chelsea's yeah. biggest chance came in the, the third minute where Callum Hudson-Odoi was through on goal. That yeah. was Chelsea's best chance. I mean, yeah. besides the penalty, but that was the, the one best that chance. The long ball to Alonso and yeah. head on. Yeah. So what was different, right, in this game was, of course, Ronaldo not playing, which was a big one. And uh, Matic, McTominay and Fred played together. It's very rare you see all three of these defensive players playing together. No, I remember... I guess when we played Liverpool and you were frustrated with how they were set up, right? I guess this was sort of more what you wanted, right? Sort yeah. of accept that there is a better attacking fluid yeah. team. The game plan, this is what it should have been. Just sit back, counter-attack. That's, that's what we've yeah. been good at. I mean, why do you want to try and go and press? But okay, that's besides the point, <laughs> right? So McTominay in that three that um, with Fred and Matic, he essentially played as a third centre-back. So... Whenever United were out of possession, which was ma- majority of the game, he sort of filled in that fifth centre-back spot and he was the one who was marking Alonso out of the game. So Chelsea yeah. could not find a way, you know, they tried to the stretch us, they couldn't, you know, and we did press very well this game, I would say. Very well by United standards is what I mean. You know, the yeah. pressing triggers were good and... Um, and the and, and, and the funny thing is, right, we pressed very similar to how we pressed against Liverpool, but this time there was no gap in, in, the, in, the, in the back. Like, for example, the first goal that Liverpool scored where Salah was just open, you know, and he passed Miles the ball to Keita. Yeah. yeah. But this couldn't have happened in this Chelsea game because McTominay was always there, filling that void. Not only McTominay, Matic also sat in between the last two centre-backs. So, you know, you can say United played five at the back club, but overall... We played well. I so would how say. come we how come Alonso was identified as a key um, 
threat and was was similar uh, tactic done for James on the other side okay so the uh, on the other side because that's why Matic dropped into the middle so mm, the okay, other two center ba- yeah so the two center backs they had an extra man so that's what they did so McTominay I don't think he dropped so much to the left but mainly he was on the right and and that's essentially what you know stopped Chelsea from scoring basically yeah. and uh, yeah so that 5-2-3 that United played essentially counted Chelsea's 3-5-2 and uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's basically. I think it's no no surprises that United can set up this way and nullify good opposition. Yeah, it's something like you said, Kaiser. We saw over the past two years, even under Mourinho, who you know a lot of the same players are still there. Yeah, yeah. It, that's why it, it again it boggles the mind why Ole didn't try such things, especially against Liverpool, especially at Anfield. It's, yeah, because Liverpool really have struggled against those. Kind of United set those uh, kind of setups. teams, hundred percent. I don't know whether he felt pressured because he's brought in attacking talent like Sancho and Ronaldo that he has to play mm. an expansive style of football. I guess we'll never know. But now I think let's look forward. So, Vis, what do you think are the cha- well? Two parts to my question. So, first of all, how do you think Ralph is going to set up the team? So, let's talk about how you think he'll set up tonight against Arsenal. Okay. Uh, and obviously, then the second part will be how do you think he'll be looking at shaping up the team up to January. Second part is how do you think Ronaldo's role in the team is going to be moving Shit, forward? So many questions, bro. So yeah, just, yeah. Uh, before I go on a monologue, just remember to interject me. <laughs> no, no, no. It, but, it's in, but it's interesting. I really want to know. I'm very curious to actually know where do you think the changes will be made because it's, di- it's difficult. Because yeah. I, the, the only way I see it now is you've got Rashford, Sancho, Greenwood, mm-hmm. right? Who... Yeah are probably the players who are most suited to a Ralph Rangnick team. Yes. And then you got your players like your Ronaldo, your Cavani's, your Marshalls, who are really not. Mm. Pogba, yeah. who are not. Yeah. So what, where do you go from there? So that's why I really want to hear it from you. And obviously, so, I don't know, you definitely would have done much more reading yeah. than me on this. So the first thing that I know will for sure happen is our injuries are gonna, is going to spike up for sure. You know, mm. because the intensity no that's required. No. Yeah, no preseason. The intensity that is required to play, like what Ralph Rangnick wants, essentially attacking, high pressing sort of football. Like you saw the same thing with you. You still see the same thing with Klopp's side. You know, there are always injuries yeah. to the Liverpool team because these players are pushed to an extent where their muscles cannot handle it. First season mm. under Pep as well, same thing. So many injuries. You know, so that's for mm. sure. Injury is going to be one. Okay. And okay. to answer your question, yeah, there are a lot of players. This sort of system that Ralph wants to play, right, is going to be... Um, he has that 8-second, 10-second uh, rule. So you win the ball back within 8 seconds if you lose it, and then you have to take a shot within 10 seconds after you win the ball. So it's very, very fast-paced attacking football. So okay. one big difference you're going to see is United, for the longest time under Ole, have been a very reactionary team. So he's because he's a reactionary coach. A coach. Mm. <laughs> coach, yeah. <laughs> but... With Ralph Ragnick, it's going to be proactive. He's going to have a style of play and they're going to play the same sort of football every game regardless of the opponent, which is what I'm very excited to see. But that yeah. goes back to the question of you there's need gonna be a some, certain... There's going to be some mad results. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be, be some, some mad yeah, results. Exactly. Yeah. For me, bro, I'm going to put my hands up. I'm going to be, I'm going to be realistic here. It's not going to be all rosy. No, no, you know, of six, course not. Yeah. Six months if his managerial role, right? It's not enough for a revolution. It really and, is not. And you've spent no. so much in the summer that like, if he wants to get his kind of players in January, yeah. I don't know how possible that would be. It's more yeah. that he 
Apparently, he's been given hundred million to spend in January. I don't know how true this is, but that's what the sources have said. Yeah. So, but the the sort of players he's going to sign are going to be like the low key underrated signings. I would say, you know, recruitment also has to improve. We're not. I don't think United are going to go and buy like the big hundred million players, you know, like how we've always done. And like I said, he's going to have specific type of players for his system. And I honestly don't know what is going to happen to the likes of Ronaldo. Uh, to Pogba, uh, Martial, all these players you mentioned who are not suited to that sort of style. But then yeah. coming back to Ronaldo, I don't think United would have given him the job if he's going to say, I'm not going to play Ronaldo. For Ronaldo. sure, he has a game plan where he can actually apply Ronaldo in. And to a certain extent, the reading that I've done, right, Raul, his pressing style is not, oh, everybody run, you know, everybody has to run, 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 run and, and chase the opponent down. No. You know, he sort of sets pressing traps, tries to cut the passing lanes you know it's more of the yeah. clean sort of type of pressing and if the other 10 players work their asses off like times two and then allow Ronaldo just give him one role to sort of cut the pass between the two center backs I think yeah. I think I don't know lah. this is what I'm trying to be optimistic yeah I think you still can have Ronaldo in your team and sort of still and still, still have that type of yeah football. and still yeah. have attacking football so Yeah, exactly. Like you said, I think he has to make do for now, especially because yeah. he's not going to be getting his own players. Even if he gets his own players in January, like you said, no preseason and things is is yeah. is not possible. So I think remember Klopp highlighted that. Remember Klopp yeah. said, uh, yeah, he said, yeah, he's a good manager and everything, but you know, it's not going to be enough time to train to implement you know, what he wants. Games are yeah, yeah games are going to come thick and yeah. fast. Preseasons are know? so important for him. Yeah. Well, does yeah. Ronaldo start tonight? You think against Arsenal? Yeah. He will, right? I, I don't I think, think it'll be quite hard bro, to justify. It'll be, it'll be worldwide hit, headline news if Ronaldo's be bench two games in a row. In a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because of that Fantastic. reason itself, I think you know Ronaldo might just play. Yeah, yeah. Good. I think that's a good uh, summary of how United been doing, and we can look forward to obviously the game tonight and then the next few, which is against Crystal Palace, and then they got Young Boys in the Champions League. So that ends the United segment. We'll see you when we talk about. The boys at the bottom, Newcastle and Norwich. Newcastle, Norwich, as we mentioned before, bringing up the back. Uh, I think things haven't been the best this season. That's no exaggeration. Newcastle on seven points after 14 <laughs> games. Norwich on 10. Both conceding <laughs> 20 goals. Well, having a minus 20 goal difference and a minus 14 goal difference, respectively. And they Oosh. played each other. Um, I thought this would be a bit of a mad game uh, for two reasons. The fact that Norwich just haven't been good defensively and any Eddie Howe team is just a bit mad offensively. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that early Kieran Clark red card killed it from that aspect. And um, from then on, I think Newcastle were there just to sort of hold on. Pre-game, if I was a Norwich fan, I would have easily taken a draw. I think points can be gained elsewhere because yeah. giving the three points to Newcastle would have been massive. But after that red card happened, I think they'd be quite disappointed. Yeah. Kaiser, how else have Newcastle been doing since their big, big, big takeover by the Saudis? Yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, there was so much uh, excitement and hope around that. They changed manager as well. But yet, uh, after that, a few games in, they're still last in the league They're the only team with no wins. Um, and the last three teams in the EPL era who didn't win their first 14 games all got relegated. Yeah. So it's not looking good. There's no new manager bounce that people hope for. Um, they played Brentford and Norwich. 
um, as you mentioned, uh, and they drew both of them, which really were must-win games if they wanted to climb out. Uh, yeah. And they're Burnley next, um, which is basically a must-win game. Six-pointer, well, yeah. as they yeah. call it. Uh, the problem for Newcastle is that they've already played a lot of the easier teams. And so after Burnley, they have Leicester, Liverpool, City, United. Mm. And you just don't see where mm. they can pick up points um, yeah. after the Burnley game. And so another big question is, yeah, the Arab takeover. Will they be able to spend the money in January? And even if they do, who wants to go to a team who's likely to get relegated? relegated. Right? You, you still get yeah. 300k, 400k a week. Um, so it's really quite a mess. Um, and do you guys see the Norwich game? I mean, the other games as well. I mean, the, the attack is not a problem with San Maximan, Wilson. It's quite generally fluid, but the defense has been absolutely the shocking. Yeah. yeah, they're the lowest for goals, XG, shots um, in the Long whole league. XG yeah. <laughs> exactly. And like, yeah, exactly. But and they've conceded the most goals as well. Kaiser so. about January and recruitment, right? Even for the players currently there, so even someone like Joe Linton, even someone like your John Joe Shelby, what's the point of, what's the motivation there when you know, even if we stay up, right, next summer, I'm probably going to be replaced. I'm gone. Yeah. Right? Isn't that, I True. mean, that, I, that's, I, I think that would, that would be a pretty reasonable thing to say. So you, you find yourself <laughs> in a team that sits rock bottom, seven points there. You know, obviously, about the takeover and you probably think, I'm not going to be here in the summer. I don't know. I wouldn't be running myself into the ground. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Only yeah, for my place true. to be taken. Like, what's the, only for my place to be taken next season? So I think, like you said, they find themselves in a difficult position because the players they have already might struggle to find the motivation. Secondly, is will they be able to recruit in January? Thirdly, is is Eddie Howe the long term solution to all this? So how much do they want him to spend? You know, yeah. we already talked exactly. about how it was between him and Unai Emery two different types of coaches. So there's, you can sort of tell there's no proper strategy in place. Yeah, they so just yeah, want to get rid could, of Bruce. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it could be a bit of a madness. But just to take the positive spin on things, I mean, like we said, the attack has been very fluid and that's been really good. I think Joe Linton has looked pretty bright in the last three games. Yeah, uh, Even against Wilson, Arsenal, yeah. against Norwich, I think he was pretty good. I think similar to the signing from Hoffenheim, if I'm not mistaken, he was in a three there and given more of a role where he was pressing, he had two sort of attackers either side of him and I think he's, you know, finding a bit more joy in that place. The second person is Shelby. I think Shelby looked pretty good in the last few games. But again, it's a big ask. Very, very big ask. Um, it's funny that we look at the team they played, Norwich, who was known for this attacking fluid football. <laughs> but now Dean Smith has come in and is a flip. So we almost see a reverse of two of these teams. Newcastle, who were most negative team in the league under Bruce, have gone for this all-out gung-ho attacking style. And then we look at the other, other side of this is Norwich with this gung-ho attacking style and now under Dean Smith are just looking to keep it compact and tight. So, Vis, how, how do you think Norwich are going to do looking forward to, to the games they've played and the games they've got coming up ahead? Uh, so, so far, Dean Smith, uh, he... Oh, first off, I think Dean Smith is a very good manager. And uh, I have always rated him. I think what he's done with Villa is very, very good. And I think pity him because he has to go through it all over again with Norwich now. So yeah, <laughs> ever since he's ever since he's taken yeah, charge, I can't believe though, I can't believe he took the job straight away. You know, that's crazy, yeah. man. And maybe he just wants to prove a point. I don't know. Yeah, a self-funded club. 
Yeah, yeah. self-funded club. So, like, fun fact is they have got they've they've been unbeaten in their last four Premier League games under Dean Smith, and it's the first time since 2013. So that's something you shout about. Yeah, and it's quite evident that the game plan is 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 simple. It's just concede fewer goals, be harder to beat, create more chances, be better in transition, and try and hunt for the ball higher up the pitch. So that's what they've been doing, and it's quite quite evident that the defense has been the main focus. Like if you look at the Wolves game, they they only let Wolves have five shots, and to give you a stat, that's the lowest in 246 games for Norwich in the Premier League in in this century. So yeah. every other game, I think they're quite lucky against Wolves actually. Yeah, I think they should have won. You know. That yeah, game. they should have. Yeah, they, they should have won. They definitely had the better chances and things as well. Yeah, they definitely had so many chances. So the game finished nil nil. For those of you who don't know, they dominated the chances. So the xG was 1.5 xG to 0.3 of. Wolves, but there was no conversion. You know, mm. it wasn't a dull game. People think zero zero always dull, but this was the complete opposite. On a different day, I think Norwich could have scored three, four goals. So conversion is an issue right now. Yeah, mm. and th- this is something Dean Smith said. He came out and said that there's only so much he can do. But when it comes to like the scoring part, the converting part, right? There's yeah. not much he can coach. Is is essentially up to the players. You know whether they can finish it yeah. or not. So uh, against Newcastle it was a bit different. Um, we 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 saw the game together, and and even though Newcastle were a man down, you know, you always wasn't Norwich the one dominating. Newcastle still had chances, right? yeah. But yeah, yeah. but overall, uh, they still dominated possession. Norwich in terms of chances created, shots on goal. But that's what you're gonna get if you're you know one man up. You can't be losing that game if you're you're one man up, yeah. right? Yeah, but what we yeah, do more so is just doing everything so that Norwich fans hate him, right? <laughs> you got the 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 the, Ch- the Chelsea game. He was celebrating with the Chelsea players in that yeah, tunnel. Yeah, after yeah, yeah. And yeah. then this one, he just pops his hand out like he's doing himself no favors, absolutely no favors. But they still have a big over reliance on Puki. I mean, Pukie, they've only yeah. scored eight goals, so over reliance is still yeah. <laughs> out of the eight goals. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I mean, as a team. Uh, But as a team, I think for a start, I think they're heading in the right direction, lah. Let let's give yeah. them that. You know, they've been they were the mm. ones leaking the most goals. You know, yeah. you know. But yeah, this, this Daniel Daniel Fucker, I think didn't really didn't have a clue. I think once that plan A wasn't working, the one <laughs> which has worked so well in the championship, he just didn't know where to go. F- you know, with it, and uh, they they were really mm. struggling. But I think now with Dean Smith, you can see small small adjustments being made. Yeah, you know, things like the throw-ins vis you were mentioning. Yeah, yeah. So against, uh, so okay, this is what they try to do now. So there's a huge reliance on not reliance, sorry, huge focus on throw-ins, uh, quite similar to Leicester. Um, so throw-ins is sort of like a set piece for them, where they try to get players up the pitch and quickly try and get the ball and attack immediately. So that's what that's what led to the red card that because mm. Puki managed to get off the ball right? through yeah. through yeah off a throw-in and yeah, he was yeah. through on goal and you know, uh, Clark came in and stopped him essentially and got the red card. So. So yeah, there's a there's a there's a focus on throw-ins. You know, he's he's adding new things into the mix. But then again, it's it's only been what three games under Dean Smith, so we don't know yeah. yet exactly how it'll come into fruition. But yeah. so far, so good. You know, if they've done the right things, um, they just have to score some goals. And uh, there are three tough games coming up: Spurs away, United at home, and then Villa at home. I think it's going to yeah. be really really tough. So here, I think this is where we'll see. Norwich's defensive capability, lah, you know, to see. Yeah, the problem is I don't know if there's three other teams 
like worse. Oh, there's other team worse, yeah. So like <laughs> apart from yeah. Newcastle, the three in the bottom now: Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle. I mean, above them are Watford and Southampton, who, I mean, are, de- are decent enough outfits, especially yeah. Ranieri, Watford, uh, which we we'll talk about later. Leeds were lucky, you know. Leeds were so lucky, actually. I feel Leeds. <laughs> yeah, they could have easily. I, d- I don't know. I think they could. Yeah. That penalty. I mean, it was a penalty, but again, they could have been. Yeah. 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 Because they'd be 17th, right? If they didn't win that game, they'd be 17th. Only a point above Burnley. Worse than Norwich, yeah, I think you're right. I thought Watford might be a bit poor, but as we come on later when we're previewing some of the games, we'll see that, you know, they've they've made improvements as well. But sorry, Viz, you were saying something? No. I I, I can't remember now. Fantastic. So I think that's a good (laughs) place to... uh, and things as we said Norwich are three points from safety but only six points from Levin to where Brentford are so who knows who knows what the Christmas period will throw up uh, that's the last of our reviews we'll see you guys for the previews right so next section we're going to be looking forward to some games we're going to be keeping it quite brief as games are coming thick and fast but let's talk about Stevie G's boys Versus his old manager at Leicester, Kaiser, kick us off. Yeah, it seems to be a narrative for all his games. I mean, previous one was against Vieira. Uh, this one's against Rogers. Next is against Klopp. After that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like, yeah, there's a story to tell every single time. But because he's not G, bro. It's TVG. It's TVG, it's TVG bro. is just so well connected in the game. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the past the past three games, I mean, it's been very very promising. Um, Got Villa two wins in the first two games and really could have got something from the City game, especially in the second half. Yeah, um, exactly. Yep. Yeah, what a shame. Yep. Uh, what a shame indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the big question is what has been the changes um, in Gerard's play? Um, well, the three games that he has actually played, they've actually had the least possession the whole season. Oh, wow. uh, so around 37%. And that's something he wants to address. So even though they've been effective at um, um, converting Winning. their chances, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's something that's not sustainable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they said that that's something he wants to improve on. Um, and also, evidently, Martinez and the centre-backs as well as the wing-backs have been playing out more uh, from the back, which yeah. Gerard has been wanting. And he's confident that they're capable, but they just need more time. Uh, and so that's something that uh, he's been implementing, but it's been a good start so far. Definitely. I think he's made some comments after I can't remember whether it was the Brighton or Palace game about distances between players. Match of the day as well, I think, looked at it where they compared Dean Smith's midfield and his. And you can definitely see it's all about compactness. It's all about not trying to get beat. Uh, so it'll be mm, interesting to see. Right. Quite the opposite, Leicester have been. <laughs> uh, in terms of goals conceded, expected goals conceded, they've been pretty bad. Started the season bad. We thought Johnny Evans might make a change to that, but it's continued that yeah. way. So yeah. they're in a bit of a tough spot as well. Yeah, I mean, they moved from the back five, removing Amati, um, and to a back four, the most recent game, but still look very leaky. I mean, they they considered fourth most goals in the league. And for a team that's apparently wanting to push for top four and top six, that's pathetic, not good. really. You're yeah, saying no, Amate's I mean, on the bench being like, it's not me, Chief. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a problem. <laughs> it wasn't me. I'm not a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, one win in the last five. So much errors uh, in defense and midfield. This takes so slow to build up uh, from the back to the to the front. Uh, the yeah. only shining light in recent games is Madison mainly, 
who is yeah. back on form with three goals in three games. Uh, but yeah, it's looking worrying. Uh, they're in eighth now. Um, and so, yeah, this game, I feel, um, could be a tricky one for Leicester. Definitely. For sure. Definitely. Uh, we'll come up with predictions right at the end. We'll do all of it together. This Arsenal United tonight, I'm looking forward to the game. I think it'll be a really good game of football in general. So many things to to you know be excited and looking forward to. How United are going to set up. How Arteta yeah. is going to set up against United. Whether he chooses to be a bit more conservative or goes for it. Um, how do you think this will sort of play out? Um, actually quite nervous because yeah. I, I, I think Arsenal are a well-coached team. They're a well-organized yeah. team. Yeah. I mean, don't let that 4-0 against Liverpool fool you. You know, they're, they're still a very good team, Arsenal, you know. But the only thing is, Arsenal played Chelsea, they've lost. City, they lost. Liverpool, they lost. Like the big games, they've lost. So this would be, I would say, another big game for Arsenal and be a proper test for Arteta. Before this, um, Arteta's always got the better of Oli, I would say. And he's always found a way to either get a draw or nick the win. And yeah, Arteta's been quite good with Oli, but now that's not the case anymore. <laughs> um, so honestly, at the time of recording, the game's not is, is in a few hours, but I honestly don't know how United are going to set up. I don't know if it's going to be a Ralph Ragnick team or is it going to be a Carrick team. But all I can say is that's going to be playing on Arteta's mind as well. So I think yeah. the, uncer- the uncertainty, uncertainty of how yeah. United are going to set up will be a problem in itself. Yeah. And um, I think it's more of a test for Arsenal. That's, f- for me, would yeah, be yeah. a more of a I test for Arsenal. I think it's more of a... It's a free hit for United. I think I almost yeah. think the rest of the season is a free hit for United. Free you know? hit, yes. But definitely yeah, this yeah. game. Yeah, so well, I, I, I'm very excited to see how it'll pan out. Hopefully not a nil-nil draw. I don't think United are going to be conservative and park the bus, you know. And I think United are also going to try and go for it. And yeah, it'll be interesting, very interesting game. I mean, the three teams you mentioned, Chelsea, City, Liverpool, I think they're a different tier. So I think Arsenal, I guess, I guess his Man U team, I think they have a good chance to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Definitely, Arsenal win. They go top four. They go. They overtake West Ham, who've uh, yeah. after so beating Liverpool have it. decided to be a bit shit. Bitch. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's annoying. And finally, uh, <laughs> we come to Brentford and Watford. Uh, Brentford, I think, have just been playing with me. I said before the season started, they're gonna be rubbish. They started the season well, yeah. best one, <laughs> what third best defense in the league. Then I started liking them put all their players in my fantasy team and then they decide to go on a three loss one I still draw. have Tony and Buemo I still yeah. have yeah. Double they, up. They, they, did, they, they played me man they played me and they got me so fair enough um, but on a serious note I mean injuries have been pretty bad for them we already talked about their squad being very thin they lost Yarnell who's just come in he came on for the previous game started against Everton but I think still not quite there more than that I think David Raya um, I don't think I've ever seen a team more affected by a keeper's offensive game more mm. than Brentford. You know, they're yeah. really missing his range his, of passing. His passing and distribution is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and that's the only thing I can sort of pinpoint as to why, uh, you know, they've, they've been lacking um, compared to the beginning of the season. The other person who's been struggling a bit but found a bit of form against Everton was Charlie Good, who is basically their sixth-choice centre-back. You know, probably started the season thinking he's never going to play. But just in the way that injuries have happened to Ayer, uh, Zanka, who used to play for Huddersfield, he finds himself there mm. playing in defence. 
So it's going to be difficult. And then on the other side of things, we've got Watford, who sort of had maybe a new manager bounce in the sense that they're playing very positive attacking football. Josh King, uh, Emmanuel Dennis, finding a lot of joy, Dennis, scoring a lot goodness. of goals. Yeah. But when you actually look at it, and I was surprised by this, last five is still four losses, only one win. And that one win was right before Ole got sacked against United. Yeah. So again, you know, new manager bounce, fine, they're scoring goals, but you need points. You need points. Uh, and I think both these teams are desperate for points. So I don't really know which way this will go. Um, what do you guys think? Anything in particular about Brentford or Watford? I think there's a big difference, right? To see how Dean Smith has come in and applied his um, direct, let's go defense first approach, as opposed to when Ranieri came in to take over Watford, is more of, you know, let's try and go for the win every time. You know, yeah. like against United, it worked 4-1, you know, very nice. But, you know, like you said, results matter at the end of the day and yeah. they're still leaking goals. But to be fair, I think against Chelsea, they had the better of the chances and I and I thought that they should have won the game yeah, actually, or at yeah, least yeah, got a yeah. point, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I think I think this is something that's sustainable. As long as they keep playing the way they're playing, I think when they, they shore up the defensive bit, I think the points will start coming in. That's what, that's yeah. my just my opinion. Yeah, that. and for Brentford, I think it's always was tough to maintain their style of play uh, in the Premier League. I think it's I mean yes they were they've been unlucky with injuries, but it's also probably a result of their style of play. Yeah, um, intensity so and thing catching up to them. Yeah. yeah, I think the fitness in general, like you know, I have a lot of friends who play social league and 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 things. Oh, you but do? Yeah. So <laughs> nice. see, the main thing, right? being a semi-pro and a pro in itself is the main number one thing is fitness essentially you know you have to have that sort of fitness I'm not saying Brentford are not you know Premier League players <laughs> you know they have every right to be in the Premier League but maybe just maybe they're having a sort of a drop off in fitness you know to sustain like you said Kaiser, that high intensity sort of football is, it's not easy because it's not yeah. like they're, they're missing five, six uh, in, uh, injured no, players from no, their first team. No, I, I thought it was a lot worse than what it is yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, so it be interesting. Again, we said December is going to take a lot of victims in terms of fixture congestion. I think Brentford are suffering already and we're not even into the thick of it. Uh, <laughs> so let's go straight into predictions. So just a general thing about our score predictor. Vis has taken a very early lead, 10 points, getting some green oh. results. Yeah, predicting uh, you know correct scores oh. in the City West Ham game. Nice. Uh, Kaiser coming in in second, three points behind that, and me in last with five. So I gotta gotta get some of these right. I think let's start from the top. United and Arsenal uh, mm. tonight. So whoever listens will know whether we've got these results uh, very badly wrong or not. Vis, I'll come to you first. So what do you think? Um, two one to United. Oh, there we are. 2-1 oh. United. Kaiser? I'll go 1-1. One, 1-0, one. One and I agree. Mm. That's a 1-0 for me as well. Aye. Villa, Leicester, Kaiser, let's hear it. Uh, I think 2-1 to Villa. 2-1 one to, Villa. Two two one one to, one to Stevie Stevie's G. boys. Uh, you know what? I'll go 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil to Stevie's yeah, boys and Vis. 2-0 to, to Stevie as well. Yeah. Wow, let's Oof. go, Stevie. What a G. manager. And finally, Brentford Watford. I'll go first here. Um, I think it'll be a big score draw. Well, not too big. 2 2. Really? Let's like 4 two, 3. Two. Like. No, no, no. no. <laughs> two, 2 2. 2 2. Fizz? I think 1 0 to Watford. 1 0 Watford. Yep, definitely yeah. could see that happening. And Kaiser? Yeah, I think it's a Watford win as well. 2 1. 
2-1 Watford, two fantastic. One. So scores all over the place. So hopefully some of us will get some points and some <laughs> of us are not going to get any points. Uh, but that's been all from us this time. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope everyone is having a good December and enjoying all the football. We'll be taking more of a gap in between games before the next episode, but we'll see you guys then. It's been the Bola Boys. Thank you very much. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Mize. Football heritage. No one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. <laughs>